It's not racism, man. I just don't like him. He could be from Saudi Arabia or Sweden or Czech. That dude could be Santa Claus, and I still won't like him. Name's Tim Regans. I play a fullback. It's known that you're one of the more aggressive players. What do you find appealing about that? I just like to hear people. Just put them down. Tim, I don't mean to be inappropriate, but I do smell alcohol on your breath. Have you been drinking? No. Not at all? No. Okay. The gift of blizzards has been brought tonight. How, how we feel about that? Point Break Dave abandons the show a couple of times and then <laughs> brings a blizzard. It's all forgiven. Did you go to the Dairy Queen that had a sign that said blizzards on the wall? <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> so you knew you were at the right place? Oh, yeah. No, every, everywhere I go has to be identified by some sort of oh. artwork. <laughs> There's only two kinds of Dairy Queens, the kind that have blizzards on the wall and the kind that have all the front windows plywooded <laughs> up. That's pretty only, much your only two options. Only in Cleburne does that happen. That's great. Well, I, I got to go one hand mic and other hand blizzard. I'm doing so. the same thing. Okay. This is great. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. No problem. Let's go no problem, fist guys. deep in this thing. So <laughs> episode 76, tell me where to turn. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Tommy2 underscore zero. You can find me at Glenn three underscore eleven, and you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. Where do we find the show? And the show can be found at Where to Turn Pod, and I would suggest you do that very often. Yeah. So speaking of Twitter, uh oh, I have an announcement. You got kicked off. (laughs) No, you're a (laughs) Russian bot. Tommy two underscore zero is verified. That would be breaking so all, news. All reasonable guesses. No, I am off social media. Altogether. I'm done with social media until April 1st. Oh, you didn't delete your accounts. No, but I think I should have deleted my accounts because what's happening now is I'm, I think, five days in. I'm getting so many emails from Facebook. It's like, in case you missed it type stuff. Yeah, but... I, I mean, they would occasionally send an email here and there. I had most of the notifications turned off. Now it's literally, Point Break Dave has liked a post. Would you like to see what that post is? Click here. (laughs) Glenn311 added a photo. Would you like to see the photo? Click here. They are doing anything in their power to get me to log back in. I'm just going to start screenshotting everything I do on Facebook and texting it to you. I was about to have to ask one of you to do that yesterday. We'll get to Daytona in a minute, but I was so interested to see what Twitter was saying about how the race ended. I was about to say, hey, could you just like take a couple screenshots of tweets and send them to me? just need a little taste, a little Twitter taste. But didn't you guys notice, I, I know both of you said when you walked in the house tonight, the first thing you said is you said, wow, you look more relaxed. That's why. Really, I, I gotta say, it's been a very relaxing few days being off Twitter. Were you In- t- tired of reading how everyone was gonna come for your guns? <laughs> that had I, to I be bl- the catalyst. That almost well, got me to drop everything. The way you phrase that, first of all, <laughs> oh, this, you could, this is like a choose your own adventure. Okay, it's it's one one way or the other. No, ironically, I had m- made the decision to get off Twitter. <laughs> The day before the um, the tragedy, so I didn't. That was not the catalyst that drove this oh, decision okay. in any way. No, I actually decided on Valentine's Day. Well, had a little Valentine's dinner out. Okay, wife and I were talking about like, hey, maybe we want to mix things up a little bit, <laughs> try we, something new. How can we keep this? In, at this working, same, you know, <laughs> kind of like any good meal. How do we get some more spice into this thing? And at the same time, she said, take a break from Twitter. And you said, involve other people. 
Are you saying like a scenario where we're both like, okay, at the same time, <laughs> say what we think? Yeah. And then it was just awkward after that. Yeah. No, I uh, we 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 had a nice nice Valentine's, and we decided uh, we were gonna, as a couple, instead of posting on Twitter about how much we love each other, which we all know is a sign that three to six months you're gonna be asking somebody to help you move. <laughs> yeah. Or, David Irving visits the west wing of your house <laughs> twice a week. So yeah, we decided to take the opposite track and uh, and get off social media. And I have to say, I um, it hasn't been as bad as you'd expect. I've actually enjoyed it. And a side benefit, my phone battery suddenly lasts a lot longer. Nice. I bet mine would last longer if I also deleted DraftKings, but that will never happen. <laughs> think to balance this out i'll just create one or two more fake accounts <laughs> to tweet from frequently so that being said anytime somebody posts something interesting to the show twitter account will one of you two email me yeah absolutely. i'll fax it to you yeah just turn your fax machine on just do that thing where you swipe both fingers down on the screen and it just reads it and then just call me <laughs> <laughs> do you have a good do you have a good valentine's day I did did you, did you date your wife? I did. I I um made a reservation at a restaurant. Not an expensive restaurant, but they reopened all the Bennigans, didn't they? <laughs> I was gonna say when I call Arby's and try to make a reservation, they just laugh. We uh we made a miscalculation. So what are the two things that happen on Valentine's Day usually, right? You go to a nice meal <laughs> and, and then have some sex. <laughs> And then in mid-November, you filling up another bedroom. So the the dinner that we chose negated any other activities later that night. We went to a Greek restaurant. Wow. The, the food we ate. A prominent one or? Fairly prominent. Fairly high end. Did it start with little? <laughs> I would say that's not prominent. That's like the McDowell's of Greek restaurants. Hey, I eat there monthly. It did start with a Z. So Zorba's? No, actually, I like Zorba's though. Zizikis, Preston and Forrest. Isn't that just the sauce they put on there? Yeah, it is. But I believe that the sauce is spelled with a T. But the T is silent, kind of like the N and Pam. But the, the, the restaurant starts with a Z. No, but we um, had, had a delicious, delicious Greek feast. Nice. And uh, left left there smelling like a garlic factory. So that was exciting. <laughs> I can't go any further down this road. Well, it's better than like a, I don't know, like a tuna factory or something like uh, that. I mean, I have some suggestions, but I'm <laughs> just going to read my text, my personal text messages. For the what moment. about you, Point Break underscore Dave? We had a, uh, a Valentine's Day scare. Uh-oh. Yeah. Did it break? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but uh, let's put that this way. You know, like tonight... Arriving for this podcast. Tommy 2.0 was was early. I was right on time. Glenn. What was Glenn? <laughs> like a little bit late? Like three or four days late? More than three or four days late? <laughs> there was there was a scare that a doctor would have been getting sued if that had happened because I was pretty sure we'd taken care of that. Oh, to, no. To the point of a, a test was... Was purchased. Oh no! But hey, we're Man. all good. We're in the clear. <laughs> that would have been amazing news. <laughs> this would have been. This would have been drop everything. May have broken the internet. But I would have got back on Twitter to tweet this news. <laughs> <laughs> After that um, hurdle was dodged, we went out to a lovely dinner. So say you could spend like you could spend like twenty grand on a meal and still be ahead. Oh, After yeah. that news was dodged. But uh, I will say this: we went to a a nice steakhouse because I'm not into Greek food. Saltgrass. <laughs> oh, oh wait a minute, Outback because it was Blooming Tuesday. <laughs> no, Valentine's was on Wednesday. Okay, cancel that. I'll I'll, I'll delete that. <laughs> yeah. I'll go back and delete that. But um, you know, if I'm sitting at home, a Knob Creek and uh, maybe a little splash of ginger will do it. If I go out to dinner, I want a Manhattan. That's my cocktail of choice. The place we went, bring out the Manhattan, <laughs> slice of bacon <laughs> sticking out of it. All right. 
And you know it's drink. You know it's really good. Whoa. Like no, never mind. <laughs> take that out. I might just like we might just start now, <laughs> and we'll save this for the uh, best of uncensored show. Yeah. <laughs> Candy bacon that's been soaking in alcohol. When you get to the end of the glass, and they're bringing you another one. You pull that slice of bacon out and eat it. Pretty good. Just uh, just absorb every oh, bit of the alcohol. So yeah. good. How much did that run you? Oh, it was it was pricey. It was pricey. Did you have to stop by a title loan place on the way home to pay for dinner? <laughs> Did that on the way there. <laughs> Just get it out of the way. Friendly interest rate, yeah. for sure. So what about you, Glenn? Uh, I went to my wife's volleyball game, and then we came back home. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's either really boring or covering for something much more exciting. Uh, you know what I did after we got back? Well, just go easy. <laughs> I took on the burden of watching Waco episode four. <laughs> and that is not a lie, exaggeration, or of any kind. That's great. What about Sunday afternoon? Did you get a chance to watch anything Sunday afternoon? That Surprisingly, I did. That may have been an American institution. On Sunday, I watched what some refer to as the real Super Bowl. It's my Super Bowl. Well, my, my other day. one was that night, but anyway. So how was your Daytona Day party? Uh, it consisted mainly of me sitting in my in-law's living room watching all of it by myself while <laughs> the rest of the family was like in another room or outside co-mingling. Wow. But I had, you know, had some drop-ins and, you know, there's not it's not really a, a racing atmosphere in the household, but I, I'd have somebody sit down every once in a while and ask some questions. Do the laps count when, when they throw the caution? Why do they keep driving in circles? Well, yeah. there's some of that. There's always somebody that says, I don't see how people can watch this. All they do is just drive in circles. I, you know, that's just one of those. I just kind of go, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's not for everybody. And then just leave it at that. <laughs> then punch them in the throat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, my, it's not my house. But I did get to see most of it. I think I... Yeah, I had to go like play with the kids a little bit. Sure, but I probably saw seventy percent of the race. Did you did you tune out once uh, once Kyle Busch the whole back of his car got ripped off? That was so early, was just hanging hanging down on the side. I saw the first time when he just had a flat tire. Well, yeah, one of several. Well, right, that was the first one, and then I figured, well, you know, people have gone a lap down, no big deal. Oh yeah, that's nothing there. You you could come back from that easily. Yeah, so then I. Exit for twenty minutes or so, then come back and I'm scrolling through Twitter to catch up, and I see that something about Kyle Busch for the third time already has pulled into the pits with tire problems. They didn't figure out the tires in the three months of the off season, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think that was some poor crew chiefing. So then we get down to the end of the race. Man, I wanted Bubba to win so bad. So there was a lot. There was a lot of interesting things that could have happened. So you, yeah, you had Bubba Wallace driving the iconic forty three. Aiming to be the first African American winner ever in NASCAR. You had my sentimental favorite, which was Eric Almarola driving the number ten. Let's go into that. Why yeah. you were rooting for him so hard? Well, because he was the first person. Well, first of all, you know my dream in life has always been to for me to personally get inside the ten. <laughs> but since Aaron right. Rodgers has clearly beat me to that. Yeah, he's- yeah, he's fig jamming that probably right now. <laughs> no, but what, one of the things I maintained, so Stuart Haas Racing, as we, uh, I'm sure all of our listeners know, uh, consisted for a long time of, of Tony Stewart, Kurt Busch, and Kevin Harvick, and Danica driving the number 10. How, how many of those four killed people? Well, none of them have killed anyone. One of them was involved in a conspiracy to frame him for murder when... Uh, what was the guy's name? Kevin? I uh, uh, forgot. Yeah. We'll think where? No, that was the guy that broke his leg. Yeah. I can't remember. We'll get back to that. Yeah, it was Kevin something. But anyways, the uh, the Stuart Haas team, uh, what the other three drivers not named Danica had in common is they all would frequently visit Victory Lane. <laughs> 
and also frequently by visit, like they won a race, they weren't invited to yes, come along. Yes, they were. They were actually. They were actually motioned by track officials to pull the winning car into victory lane. They didn't just stop by victory lane. So I had long maintained that that number ten car was just was just basically a victim of a really really substandard driver, and I thought it would have been absolutely hilarious that in the first race that there uh, was a hot dog instead of a taco <laughs> in the five-point harness that it drives to victory lane. and in the, in the biggest race of the season. Yes. And Most prestigious, I guess. With one or 99.75% of the race complete, the 10 is out front and, and driving to victory lane. He, he, Eric Almarola is in position. And then what is fast becoming my new number one nemesis and worst hated driver denny hamlin is starting to get shaky on that mountaintop of the worst Uh austin Dillon decides to very questionably um essentially wreck him he put he put the uh put the front of his car to the to the rear quarter and spun eric out in a very dangerous spot on the track which he should know austin Dillon had a Epic accident right around the same place uh, at that speedway, and uh, and then cruise on to victory. I was I was devastated by this. I think he's kind of getting a free pass because people are just saying, "Oh, that's racing." But I think also because he drives the number three, another car that has been put into the wall. Yeah, well, late in the race in Daytona, if he drove like the number fifty three, that was sponsored by Paw Patrol. I don't think he'd just be getting away with this. But since he's driving the iconic number three, he does. Yeah. So did you guys hear about what he did with his crew to uh, to celebrate? They paint the halo over the three? No. I, I have no idea. You, you really don't. I saw him dab on the front okay, straightaway. Well, yeah. No, this, was, this would have been deep into the night. This would have been after... Um, he did this with his crew. Yeah, and and this is this Uh-oh. is where we're getting into probably. This would be like where to turn after dark. <laughs> like how much docking? <laughs> and if they, you have an odd number, what do you do? They got tattoos, but they got them on their butt cheek. And he got one on his butt cheek that said "Champ." And then had the Daytona logo underneath it. I mean, that has to be instant regret, right? Yeah. And they interviewed a couple of the crew because the crew, and Dave, you'll appreciate this, they uh, they had bonded over the last couple of years and they now refer to themselves as the Wolf Pack. Okay. So they all got Wolf Pack tattoos and he got Champ with the Daytona logo. They, they all got it on their butt? I don't know that all of them did because I've only been able to see... I've been but, Googling pictures all day. <laughs> and I've been okay. able to verify the rear well, tire carrier. No, I'm just kidding. No, there's no photos as far as we know. Okay, because that's weird if they all get tattoos and the, they get Wolfpack tattoos. Wolfpack. And the members of the crew are on their arm, their back, you know, something like that's that. That's possible. And then he's like, you know what, guys? I'm going for my butt. <laughs> like, that That really sticks like out. he basically said that he wanted it. Yeah, that's just weird. Yeah, I'm, I can't support this. Well, I can't support him, and I want you to know that in the next few weeks, I may have an announcement that he is going up to number one of persona non grata for me in NASCAR. <laughs> and the butt tattoo may be what puts it over the top. Message Denny Hamlin and see if he has a butt tattoo. <laughs> Why did he put Bubba in the wall after the race was over? Yeah, I, w- I never really, and again, Twitter would have been pretty handy here. I never did really get an I never understanding saw. of what happened. But Bubba did run number two, though. He no, he fin- did. He finished number two. No, he, he did quite well. Yeah. And then the number three got a tattoo where the number two... <laughs> we're figuring this out. It's full circle, which is how they race. Yeah, it's like the human centipede of NASCAR. Just nose to tail. All locked up together. Until something breaks off. It's about how it runs. You guys been watching the Olympics? I have. I'd say bit. very little. <clears throat> I've been watching more than more than most. I bet I've watched more than the two of you. Did you see the wardrobe malfunction last night? No. 
What sport? The forty yard dash. Ice dancing. There was Woman? A, there was an up top malfunction. Really? Yeah. Nip slip. That's what they say. That's what they call it. You saw it? Yep. Well, you know, in real time I didn't I didn't see quote unquote it. But um after their performance, it was one of the favorites, and I think they were in second going into the second part of the co- competition, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but they were they were one of the favorites. They didn't do quite as well as was Is this expected. Pairs, yeah, pairs, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they don't have singles ice dancing, do they? I don't know. Yeah, they do. I have no idea. Or is that figure skating? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I think <laughs> they do. It's called figure skating. <laughs> so anyway, but the uh, commentators. After they were done with their routine, we're talking about how, oh, that's just heartbreaking that that would happen. And it happened real early and that they go for three minutes, I think. It Some had, would call it heartbreaking. That's just heartbreaking. <laughs> what is that? A cup? <laughs> so, man, that's so offensive, especially in this day and age. But I didn't even notice. And they were talking about it the whole And I, no, I didn't notice at all in real time. Now, it's, until you got back on to the uh, incognito later. Can, you know, from. My follow-up research, she, will, she won't be allowed to perform the Super Bowl halftime show ever, <laughs> obviously, based on the rules established. But um, I, what I did find was weird was I, scrolling through the Olympic coverage today on my long trek back from the Houston area. While driving? No, not while driving. It was during a stop. And I'm pulling up the Yahoo app just to look at whatever, the sports app. And I go to the Olympics, and it's got an article about it. And it's got like a still shot of the malfunction. First off, I think we can imply in the article when the guy, during the routine, the guy's hand like hit, broke like a clasp or something on the top of her outfit or whatever oh, so you she call. rolled with the rest of the thing with it hanging out? Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. It was more like peekaboo and then <laughs> able to kind of hide it again. Yeah. Um, but I think then she was just... Conscious of it, Con- yeah. Conscious of it the rest of the time. Well, it's a big so, so were a lot of other people. Yeah, but anyway, in the article, it's got a picture of like the moment with like the area, if you will, just pixelated. It's areola, I believe, is the word you were looking <laughs> <Is> that- for. <laughs> yes, I only deal in smaller <laughs> medical terms. But it's got that <laughs> pixelated. But then it's like it's obvious what that is. I mean, you're just distorting what I already know. You know what it. What it looks like. You gotta leave something to the imagination. I think the article spoke for itself. I don't think we needed the material to go along with it. So, anyway. But it's funny because we were watching, the wife and I were watching, which I think was figure skating. I don't think it was ice dancing. And it seemed like one of the female skaters there was having a wardrobe problem, like where she was getting what I like to call like a pretty serious wedgie situation happening. I heard about this. So, question was surely they don't leave anything to chance in the Olympics and they do lots of practice in the costumes. It's not like they they throw on their, you know, Adidas track suits to practice and then only put the yeah. real costume on right before the show. That that seems like way too big of a variable. And how is there a level where there's how much is too much? Well, what I thought was funny is my wife says, Well, why doesn't she just pull it out? And I said the the whole thing is ju- well the whole so like she has a lot to learn. <laughs> so the whole contest is judged on your mm. arts and aesthetics. So it's like they don't have a part of there where you reach back there and you're pulling your wedgie out. Like that's ridiculous. No, I don't know much about figure skating outfits. Okay, there's a bold claim from a but, guy wearing the Anderson Sports Management T-shirt. But aren't, there's like and there's some form of tape. That you could you could utilize to keep things from sliding well, around back just there. Don't have a costume that has clasps that can easily break. That doesn't seem that hard. I mean, we are living in the age when we have dry fit material and technical fabrics. This is not this is not stuff hold, held together by clothespins. We have robots who can ski. <laughs> yes, we have artificial intelligence. We could figure this out. Speaking of skiers, you guys know Elizabeth Swanee. You familiar? No, I, I'm not at all. Is she the one that was kidnapped? Yeah. No. Or is that Elizabeth Smart? Is she the one they pulled out of the well? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay. This Seems like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> this may be one of the most ridiculous stories 
And I pulled up this article. Is this an American? It sounds an, like an American name. But it's an American that is competing for Hungary. I saw this, but go ahead. You go ahead. Go well, first of all. If she's not skating for America or skiing for America, I saw this. This was. This is. And and she can I ask a question? Yes. Because she was in uniform and all that. She's she's skating or skiing for skiing. Hun- for Hungary. Yes. She is not disabled in any way, right? She is not okay. disabled in any way. Then go ahead. Proceed. This woman and. I pulled up the article I was reading earlier had like a lot of background on what she does. Like she is some kind of social media photographer. She has some kind of stupid job like that. I'm off social media, so not interested. She's 33. All right. Now I'm more interested. (laughs) Less interested. (laughs) She decided to travel the circuit as it were. Because I don't know if you guys are aware, but outside of the every four-year Winter Olympics, they have other competitions throughout the years that uh, qualify you like for... Like Games? Sort of. Qualify you for the Olympics. Many of those are not well attended. No way. Yeah. The Olympics so, are not well attended. So this woman yeah. found... Events like there was one in China at the same time they were holding events in the U.S. She found the loophole. And everyone was at the U.S. So you have to be top 30, I guess, to qualify for the Olympics. Top 30? Maybe it's 30 per country. I'm not sure. Let me find that. Well, they basically 30 people to the Olympics. All right, blah, blah, blah. Um, she finished 13 out of 15. There's only 15 people and two of them fell. She's never done a trick. It's freestyle skiing in the half pipe. She literally can't get off enough to get enough air to do a trick. <laughs> that was ill not the only woman that has that problem. <laughs> um, other people, okay. What do you mean air? <laughs> air? Um, there's a name for that too. Yeah. In order to qualify, I need to finish within the top 30 at a few World Cup skiing events. Okay, so you go to a few events, and if you're in the top 30 at each event. So she found events that had less than 30 people and kept okay. going to them. She couldn't make the U.S. team, obviously, because we have a full team field. We have a team of people that can actually do a trick, exactly. apparently. So That's why we're the greatest country in the world. Grandparents on one side were Hungarian. So she competed for Hungary. She started a GoFundMe to fund her travels because Hungary isn't going to pay for it. She can be on the team. They raised zero dollars. Oh, no. (laughs) Indeed. The Virgil make me a millionaire. How did we? We should have known about this a few weeks ago and just been the only only party to donate. Like our name on our snowboard. Yeah. At where to turn pod. Forget Grayson County Speedway. We could have gone Olympics. <laughs> we could have been on the Olympics. But yeah, she had her run and did not do a single trick. That's it was amazing. it was like if if you know how to ski, you could do I think what she did. Yeah. Like it's on the half pipe. Or okay, whatever. well, when the show's over, I'm gonna look this up because I totally missed this story. And I, saw, I saw this on Twitter. It's somebody had quote tweeted it with like check out the you know, the big air competition, and I forgot what other comment, like making it sound like this is going to be amazing. Just watch this. And it looks like somebody who's like 75 years old competing <laughs> against 20 year olds. Like it's like the most fundamental skiing form she going the down the high. She gets barely up to the top, no air, and just kind of turns. And it's like just slow back and forth. And then at the end, she's kind of slowly just. Drifts off and, down. Which, and, and then and for the rest of her life, she'll be known as a former Olympian. Former Olympian. She, she got the uh, five Olympic rings tattoo <laughs> immediately afterwards. Hey, depending on how many pa- uh, competitors the Palestinians take out this Olympics, maybe she medals. Okay. Whoa. Too soon? Too turn soon. my mic off here. <laughs> got one last Olympic thing, and then I believe Dave has a game for us. But did you the, see... They'll make a movie about her. <laughs> Did you see what happened with the Jamaican bobsled team, the women's Jamaican <laughs> yeah. bobsled team? So they had a dispute with their coach. His name was Irv, I believe. <laughs> and he's been dead. <laughs> Did he ever cheat? Did he ever hide weights in the yeah. front of the sled? This could be the makings for Cool Runnings too. but the, the, the end of it is what I, I hope you guys haven't seen yet. 
So the, they fired their coach like a week before the Olympics, but the coach actually owned the bobsled. So he, he or it was actually <laughs> a woman, and she was like, "Well, good luck uh, competing in the Olympics without a bobsled because you can't have my bobsled." So they started to try the same route for a GoFundMe because they needed to raise $56,000 to buy a bobsled. But somebody stepped up to the plate and funded the $56,000. And if you're thinking in terms of Jamaica, it was the most generic, obvious Jamaican... Usain Bolt? No. No? So think corporate sponsorship from Jamaica that would cough up the $56,000. Um, rum, rum related? No, well, close. It's alcohol related. Red stripe, red stripe beer, hooray, Bob's hooray beer. <laughs> Coughed up the fifty six thousand dollars to buy these gals a sled to compete in. Uh, Is that amazing? Have they competed yet? I don't know. Uh, I oh. think I. Uh, so we don't know if it says red stripe. Not on, on Twitter. That. I don't know if you know this. Or <laughs> well, not. you can still watch TV. <laughs> All right, well, Dave, I believe you had a little bit of a game for us. I do. This was a few episodes ago, but uh, it was when Glenn was talking about his triforce of eateries that involved Long John Silvers. That was a while back. And Tommy pulled out the old tagline for Long John Silvers. Do you remember what it was? You're going to get your wish, go fish? Exactly. So I pulled up some old 80s and 90s advertising taglines oh, no. i'm gonna throw these out there i will win this and uh most of them were just i mean there's kind of iconic ones like yo kiro i know that yeah i know that okay one. Yeah. but i kind of picked out ones that i thought were funny um the juice is loose ocean spray no um wait a minute is it gushers no some sort of cutlery (laughs) that is the most callous (laughs) response starburst oh i knew that i should have got that um once you pop you can't stop um dang it is that Um, pringles Pringles. yeah very good i knew that too all right this one's weird let your fingers do the walking. You want to take a shot at this one? I don't know this one. Uh, AT&T? Close. Sprint. Think of something that's completely irrelevant now. Southwestern Bell. The Yellow Pages. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Remember I'm glad I didn't get pages. to my next guess. Probably saved us some controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Save me from having to go back in and bleep something. Yeah. All right, so I have one more, and then I have two pieces of audio along the same line. So the last one I'm just going to read is the very creepy tagline of reach out and touch someone. AT&T. That was AT&T. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to... Okay, watch your headphones. Now we have audio? Yeah. yeah. Be careful. All right. All right. He's plugging in the audio cable. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. You ate it, Ralph. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. No, Ralph, I ate it. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Man, that's an old one. I don't have heard this before, but... (gasps) Is it for, like, a laxative? I'm going to go Alka-Seltzer. Ding, ding. Alka-Seltzer. Oh, And now here's the closer, and I know right where this one is. Because this one (laughs) had me laughing all day. Oh, I also missed the classic Winston's tastes good like cigarettes should. (laughs) But here's this great one. D. Williams talks about Colt 45. There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rule number one, never run out of Colt 45. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. You want to know why you should keep plenty of Colt 45 on hand? You never know when friends might show up. I don't claim you can have a better time with Colt 45 than without it. (laughs) But why take chances? The power of Colt 45. That was a little interesting demographic... uh... (laughs) Casting there, too, I'd have to say. 
The power of Colt 45, gentlemen. Oh. Speaking of power, should we talk about the power of David Koresh? I think that's what we're really here for. That's what we I'm, gathered here today for. Yeah. I'm so disappointed I wasn't here last time to talk about Operation Showtime. Yeah. It couldn't, have, it couldn't have gone worse. Like no, I, I don't think so. I was watching that episode. There's, oh my goodness. And this episode is, I don't know. We, we had some stuff happen, but this, especially coming off the last episode yeah. with so much action, this yeah. is more, we're just kind of bridging the gap to episode six is all we're doing. So my wife asked me a very odd question when this was about halfway through, and she said, so how long was the standoff? And I said, I don't know, roughly six weeks, give or take. And she goes, and there's only two episodes left after this? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, how are they going to do that? I'm like, well, they're not going to cover every day of the standoff day by day. I was like, I'm sure there's probably great periods of time where nothing happened. Yeah, because we only got, in this episode, we only got to like day eight or day nine. Yeah, Yeah. I also felt like early on they were like, giving the subtitle day one, day two, and then at the last 20 minutes of the episode, they just forgot all that. They didn't count it anymore. Yeah, so should we... Um, I guess we should go chronologically through the episode. We don't want to... Yeah, there's not a, a, the, near as much to cover detail-wise yeah. as with the raid, so I think we can start... They, they're, they're working on... The FBI negotiator is working on Steve. Right. Yes. And has a theory that Steve may be the the linchpin to this whole thing because people listen to Steve. Steve was, I didn't know this, the most prolific recruiter in Branch Davidian history. And according to the negotiator, oh, he's, wow. he's responsible for half the people that were there in the compound. The power of Steve. You don't ever underestimate it. Right. Um, and of course, then you have the odd where the, um, the hostage negotiators got this plan of Hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get Steve's trust. We're gonna have him release a few people. We're gonna get in this groove. And the uh, the FBI guy who I can't think of his name, the guy that that effed Ruby Ridge all up. Yeah, the flat top guy. He's like, what we really need here is a show of force because obviously that's working well. Yeah, that's worked real well. So they pull up. Were you here like four days ago? Did you see that? So they pull up a couple of just full on tanks. Look at the guy who's still dead out there. You tell me it didn't work? When we sent in Kareem and Magic Johnson. (laughs) Oh, man. And while that's going on, our fearless leader, Tim Riggins, number 44. Fullback for the Dillon Panthers is given a speech where he's telling the um, members of the uh, cult or religion, depending on whose side you're on, he said, hey, we're not holding anybody hostage here. You're free to go anytime you want. Anytime. But if you leave, that's basically between you and God. I think that was kind of more or less how he ended it. Well, he didn't actually get a chance to end it because he passed out before... He mentioned something about that, but yeah, yeah. he didn't. He didn't. He didn't exactly get to, the whole to get to the whole finale, which immediately got me thinking of Point Break, Dave, because at this point I'm going, he's got some kind of an infection. I was worried. He's got worried a fever, for, and we yeah. know where this. Ha- you know, the next thing you know, he's going to be at Medical Center of Plano. <laughs> There's going to be a nurse that maybe has some really tight scrubs on. <laughs> We're going to show up to watch the Martinsville race. Right, with him. he may feel the burden there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I may have prayed for someone else to be in urgent care or emergent <laughs> care there just so I could revisit sometime. But I wrote down in, I wrote down in my notes, I said, well, he's definitely got a staph infection or MRSA at, at best. But not to jump too far ahead, somehow overcomes it pretty quickly. Yeah, we'll get to that. But at that point, if you're, if you're shot, bleeding out, and running a high fever to the point where you can't maintain consciousness, you're not getting back from that without antibiotics. I agree. They had to have something, yeah. But because he may he makes it another six and a half he weeks. Really, maybe was whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get there. So then we have the um, the scene where where they've asked Tibbs to do some uh, some burials. Well, before that, there's one line I wanted to get to when Steve is talking to the wife that fathered Koresh's baby, mm-hmm. and he. <laughs> And she was the one that got shot through the finger. 
and it's getting infected. Yeah, I bet that thing stinks too. Yeah. And Steve, she asks like, Steve not, to cu- cut her finger off. Yeah. <laughs> he issues the green line of no one is cutting anyone's finger off, which is red flag number one. If you're in a compound, <laughs> there's tanks outside and someone's yelling, no one is cutting anyone's finger off. Look, you've taken a wrong turn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he and Steve, it seemed like the negotiator and Steve were establishing some good rapport and everything. But then Steve turns it back on him and it's like, I know exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to turn me against everyone else, trying to get me on your side type of deal. And it's not going to work because David, he's already, he said this was going to happen and everything he said has come true. So we're, we're staying in here and I'm sticking with him. Yeah. Steve seems to be a highly educated man. Uh, Sure. He went to college in Hawaii. I don't know what else you want me to say. I mean... The man clearly doing very well. If they needed someone to put on a luau, I'm sure that's the <laughs> first person they talked to. You think he was there when June Jones was there? When they were wearing lays, slinging it around everywhere? With the, what was that Throwing for name? 600 yards a game? Man, I got to think about that. They had a quarterback. I think his first name was Colt, but it wasn't McCoy. Ah, Colt McCoy. We'll get back to everyone on that. Buried with Texas dirt under his crib. <laughs> he was buried? <laughs> Terrible. By Ter- Tibbs. Terrible storyteller. So Did they t- really have a school bus buried? Yeah. That was true? Yeah. Kind of a good bit. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. So what was Tibbs going to do? Just bury those bodies in the school bus? No, he had no. graves dug out yeah. near the school bus. They, they weren't there. regulation depth, but this, they were going to be enough yeah. to to mask the... And then Rotting. Tibbs learned on. one of the valuable lessons okay. of life. On that, real quick. Or, go ahead. No. Sometimes when you're chasing a woman, you got to bury her dead wrong, father. The wrong part of your body is doing your critical thinking for you. That's all I'm saying. And that's what happened to Tibbs here. First, let's cut to said woman. And I know she just suffered a loss, but it seems like fixating on. Hey, my dad really would have wanted to be buried next to the tree. How about we fix it on, hey, my dad wouldn't have wanted to get shot by the ATF. <laughs> hey, remember all the tanks out there? <laughs> Let's not send my new pseudo husband out there to also get shot by the ATF. It wouldn't have mattered, man. Tibbs was, Tibbs was thinking with his Tibbs in this situation. Tibbs Jr. Yes. So he ends up going out there. No, he does. He um, dragging a body. I don't know. I don't know if you'd call that an incredible display of balls or idiocy. But Tibbs went out there and dug the grave, and we had the uh, reappearance of the Asian sniper. And that's true. He was there. Yeah. and at Ruby Ridge. And apparently, this guy, man, his job is to shoot. He wants to shoot. Oh yeah, he was waiting for the order. Because he's well, he's not only waiting for the order; he's demanding the order. He's going, hey. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Flat top. He's holding the ball, waiting to get fouled at the end of the game. Yeah. He wants to be the one. He'll take the free throws. He wants the ball in his hands. Um, but cooler heads prevail, and uh, Tibbs is able to make the uh, make the grave, bury the body, and and I love the uh, what if there's a bomb on the body? I thought, I thought the same thing. That would have been genius. <laughs> like, why didn't they think of that? <laughs> Maybe they didn't have. Can you imagine though? They bury it. They go back inside. Like a few minutes later, everybody's kind of calmed back down, and then kaboom! Or they just waited until the tanks and started maybe, to approach. Maybe that tree goes flying, <laughs> does some damage, hits somebody in the head. Let's not discount that Tibbs may be one of the best grave diggers in the entire world. I wrote that down too. Boy, he got that done fast. How did he <laughs> dig that hole that fast? I mean, this show we've had we've had complaints about continuity with time passing. And weather, obviously. That's you, not me. Oh. He takes like three strikes with a shovel and he has six feet dug out. How is that possible? The sniper is just up applauding. <laughs> Like way to go, Tim. I can't shoot this guy. He's too valuable. <laughs> All pro foundation repair could use a guy like this. Save some energy, Tibbs. You're gonna have a lot more. <laughs> Man. Well, you don't have to bury ashes. Whoa. It kind of reminded me of like on Lost when they had to bury people and basically all they had were their hands. Like a stick. 
a piece of bamboo. Yeah. But then they, they they buried the two people, the two characters they just got rid of in one episode because yeah. people didn't like them. I've mentioned on the show before, but in uh in my younger days, I did manual labor outside, which involved some digging. You can't dig a hole that deep. No. No. It's not possible. No. Even not, with adequate equipment. Not in Texas soil. And as we're supposed to believe, despite the weather, they are in Texas. Yeah, I mean, think about as, as cold as it's been. <laughs> or maybe, no, it's been, well, it depends which episode. It's either too cold in May or too hot and sunny in February. So yes. I'm... So turned around. He's having to dig through the permafrost out there in Waco. <laughs> well, since we're <laughs> hold on, oh. so I say since we're doing continuity criticism, this skips way ahead. But I just did want to mention though that we got another look at Steve's one-fingered wife's baby. It's now like four years old. <laughs> yeah, that baby grew up. Fast. The baby's yeah. gigantic. She just gave birth to it six weeks ago when Tibbs joined the cult. The baby's a giant now. We got some issues there. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Obviously, we've had some issues with the uh, the FBI and the way they've handled this. Tibbs' mom just walks right through the barricade, and when she has them, not when she's picketing, but before that, when she yeah, goes when she right stops the car. No, my issue was okay. Maybe she could get through the barricade, but why is it the <clears throat> negotiator driving in in his car that? Go, drives up to her and talks to her and yeah. what are you doing here you need to get out of here when there's plenty of other people around like they would have already they're too busy mooning kids in the window <laughs> yeah. and hitting the finger I mean the way it was headed they would have already like double tapped her right in the head if... <laughs> well the uh, she wouldn't have been the first one to break through the lines either the other thing that happened before we got to uh, Tibbs digging the grave was one of the calls when um, Crush's main wife and kid are in there and he, they're talking about him having the fever. Then the phone rings and the like, five-year-old answers it. <laughs> you're in a hostage situation and you're going to let your five-year-old answer the one phone that connects you to the guys with the tanks? Hey. Come on. And his first question to the negotiator was, are you going to kill me? Seems planted. Yeah. Seems like a fair point. Yeah. Um, but speaking of kids, negotiations negotiations progress a little bit. And at least to create some goodwill, they've started releasing some of the some of the kids and I think some of the older people that are within the compound that the rest of them know they're gonna be there for a while. Right. As long as this takes. And like these are these people are not cut out for this and they're not Koresh's kids so they're not the children that more or less have to stay or it's des- they're destined to remain there right these were the the bargaining chips in an elaborate trade for milk milk so we get to milk so is Koresh this stupid that he has a newborn baby that looks like it's four <laughs> it needs milk and he doesn't ask for some infamil that I agree. Powdered formula. He asked. He they they he gets a gallon of milk from Brahms. That's what that's what he's going with. Hey, the FBI guys had Whataburger. They I have did. that later. There's they a, were going to solve this whole thing. An with amazing bacon. product placement. Yeah, for Whataburger. Congrats to them. You know, speaking of the FBI, when they were negotiating this milk trade, they kept saying, "Well, our informant says this, and our informant says this." Was the informant Leguizamo? Had to have been. Yeah, I think he, so. So he must have been in there a lot more than they let yeah, on the I, show. Yeah, I don't think they... He, he could not have collected that much information in his two trips that they showed us. No, I think he was in there longer than that. I haven't, really, I haven't looked into it, but I I think he was. I think he gained a little... I think they may have known exactly who he, who he was with, why he was there, but he gained. he spent more time there and gained more knowledge than they directly led on with his time there. He wasn't just walking around looking at that scrap piece of paper. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, they, they don't have any milk in there. <laughs> but I thought the same thing. Like, How stupid are all these people? They don't need milk. The whole lead-in is, yeah, they've got babies that are upset. One mother asks another, hey, need you to do me a solid. I need to borrow some of your milk. Like, and then, then do they concoct the worst plan ever of, hey, let's bug the milk. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> the worst plan ever is what was going on up until that point, which you may have noticed is 
Because there's like the guy that's in charge that's kind of leaning towards negotiator, leaning towards uh, Gary, right? That's his name. Gary's the negotiator. Yeah. yeah. And the flat top guy, like he's kind of in the middle of those two. Right. Apparently, this guy's only plan was, hey, let's have a chopper just fly really close and do circles like 10 feet off the building. And there's just, like one scene where you went like between the chimney and yeah. the other upper floor, like this like impossible needle to thread for no reason. He just doesn't. It, was gas free in 1993? <laughs> like what is the point? Dollars well, they decided, work. let's serve an arrest warrant with like the Nazi Blitzkrieg style. <laughs> Of arrest warrant. The one thing that I get so much joy out of, and it was huge in this episode, was Flat Top Guy, whatever his name is, that always wants to just go in guns blazing. Yeah, all he wants to do is just shoot everybody. <laughs> he just wants to show force, man, because yeah. people like this respond to force, you guys. Every time they're in an argument about something, he's like, well, Gary, like he says it with yeah. such disdain. I love it yeah. every single time. So... In the uh, in the time while this has taken place, so you've got you've got Tibbs' mom that kind of breaks it in, and and she just wants to talk to her son. Gary tells her no. Yeah, good reason though. Yeah, and I actually I actually didn't think about this as being a reason, but he makes a great point. He said, "Hey, I don't want to give him a chance to say goodbye." Right. You don't want to give anybody a point of closure and make it easier for them to whether they're going to off themselves or others and then themselves. Yeah. Did you also notice that when he was driving in, he's listening in his car to the fake radio station from Dallas that somehow comes in great in Waco, too? <laughs> they didn't have XM back then. Yeah. And another continuity issue, it's during the day. The next time he's listening to it, it's in the middle of the night. That guy does not do a Normathon every day, okay? I know Whataburger was part of the show. This guy is not doing the Normathon, okay? Maybe it's like when they used to do the hard line regurgitated. I don't know if you remember that. Those oh, ticket days. I remember that. Yeah, when the hard line ended, they picked an hour of the show and they replayed it from seven. No, to no, eight. it cut back to the studio with him sitting there oh, in the dark. Talking. It did. <laughs> Every day, Normathon. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. And then some some guy from Star Power was there with him. It just didn't make much sense. Giving away Acuras. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some something about Geno Stim. <laughs> did you guys also? Because we made it to day eight, I think. Yeah. On I wrote down on. After day eight, they cut the power. Okay. And Steve is in there. Steve's doing his best. He's got rationing ideas. He's doing his whole bit. Using that brain, that Hawaii brain. Everybody in there. Clean shaven, clean clothes. It did not look like they were... I mean, are they... They have to be conserving water, right? Or do they have running water at that time? Maybe they, they still had electricity. Maybe they still had running water at this point. It was, gets to a point where they don't. They just didn't look haggard as, as yeah. much as I was hoping they would. But I feel like because they were still trying to build trust and goodwill and they thought they were maybe this close for them coming out you know, two days in and they know Koresh, is, he's got something wrong with him and they're trying to, to get Steve to lead the charge of... And Steve even commented even though he kind of backed it up with here's the reasons I'm staying, but he commented he's wanted to leave several times. Yeah. So they've got they've got an angle here. So I think they still had running water at this point. Glenn, I have to stop you because in that moment where he's talking about he was telling the he was telling Gary he wanted to leave. Do you remember one of the reasons he said? That stinky finger. <laughs> no, he's like, I wanted to leave. I don't like the fire ants or the dust storms. And I was like, "Where's Glenn?" <laughs> he mentions the weather. That was you remember. You remember the uh, scene at the beginning, at the end of Koresh's speech. That's what I did when he mentioned <laughs> dust storms. There's just there's just a slow motion picture of me passing out in in my uh, TV room. Just going to, just going out, huh? So when they're negotiating the hostages um, that are going to be released with the milk exchange. Steve wants his uh, wife to go with the baby. Right. Ba- baby? Yeah, though the baby who's now 16 <laughs> years old. <laughs> she, she's going to drive one of the go-karts out there. Yeah. She, um, and Koresh says no. So, so that whole guise of, hey, you're free to go whenever you want, that, that goes to a point. 
Yeah. Hey. He he's well, he thinks the chil his children are all part of the twenty four right? Yeah. Yeah. So he can't let he can't let them go. And he's got, you know, he's got like fifteen more of them. He's got a he's got fire out. <laughs> yeah. So they get the milk back inside. And what would you do if you just got six gallons of milk inside, but have the most important conversation you certainly don't want the FBI to hear right in front of the milk? <laughs> because why wouldn't you? It was hey. just about drinking the milk, though, themselves. Because, right. boy, a glass of milk sure would taste good. <laughs> and, and by the way, Koresh is suddenly fine. Like, like yeah. he's looks like he looks like Tim Riggins right before he left his shoes on the field <laughs> right. at uh, UT Austin. He's he's fine now, so the fever's broke, and he's he's just ready to have a tall glass of milk, even though the kids need it. Yeah, I would have been actually like, actually they don't. Do we have a do we have a box of Lucky Charms <laughs> we can put around this around this milk? You probably send out another guy for uh maybe a box of Captain Crunch or something. Yeah. What? One other thing. Uh, this was a small thing, and when Koresh made his own video, right, and he's <laughs> the wife thanks the ATF for shooting her dad. Which was a bizarre way to start. Did you guys notice the guitar? Hey, there are guitars and stacks everywhere in this in this well, thing. The whole video is to make him look normal. He's got his kid there. It's a, right in the left side is a guitar that has like the uh, woman silhouette, like you see on trucks. On the back of trucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, didn't really? have like a Motley Cruise <laughs> sticker on there. We couldn't get that. You're accused of having yeah. multiple wives and underage women. We can't at least check the background and move that guitar. Well, the the Gary, the key negotiator, he made that video as well and sent it to him. Which I thought that was it's it was kind of hokey, but it was to just give the hey, I'm just a regular guy out here. I'm just doing my job. We care about you and that type of thing. They thanked him for sending it. I think Steve actually thanked him yeah. on the phone for sending it. But then they immediately were like, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. But then they just kicked it right back with... We're not falling for it. Yeah, that's not... It was all it was still along the lines of, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. You're really nice. You're really smart. But it ain't it ain't working. Gary, Gary top-notch negotiator. No, Gary Gary keeps his wits about him no matter what. He he's he's been around. He knows how to handle these things. He's not going to let a, a little thing like a 5-year-old answering the phone or Steve pretending to be smarter than he is. He's not going to yeah. let those kind of things throw him off. So we had uh Waterburger made an appearance and they are still talking about the lawnmower man. That was yes, the, that was well, they the movie. Were watching the that man. was the movie that they were watching. Yeah. yeah. And did you see those graphics? You see that CGI? Oh, yeah. yeah. From circa 19... I guess, yeah, that'd be like 1992 or 93. 92, probably. It's pretty pathetic. And they were like, they were like, this movie sucks. <laughs> so here's the question. The, the dudes, obviously, now they're trying to survive, more or less. But prior to this, Steve, Tibbs, all their prior years... I guess Tibbs probably hasn't been there a full year yet. What? are they doing in the compound like day to day yeah because none of them have the burden of sex anymore apparently the only movie they have is the lawnmower, the lawnmower man. man can't go outside can't go outside none of them are working i guess they do the gun show thing they kind of alluded to at the beginning i'm also really intrigued by the economics of the branch davidians back then I'm sure they were living paycheck to paycheck. Well, who's getting gun paid? show to gun show? Gun show to gun show. They're dealing in all cash. I mean, are they buying guns and then reselling them for profit? I'm going to assume, yeah. And maybe there were some people that, when they got there, had a little bit of money to their name too that are funding this thing. Man, that's usually the idea. Yeah, is you gather. Enough of that that everybody can right. can exist off of. And they could have lived off the land if it weren't for those dust storms. True. But it's really hard to grow crops. Yeah, and the, the seasons are so unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. And then you got people trampling your crops with go-karts all the time. They never should have bought those go-karts. <laughs> never should have bought those go-karts. <laughs> we never got any go-kart scenes. We just heard it in the background. There's still time. They have like 40. Like they could stage their own Daytona. <laughs> 
So what I'm if I'm not what, sure how it ends, but I assumed it ended well, Austin with, Dillon won. No, oh. well, I assumed it ends with at a tattoo with a machine gun on both arms and a go kart just flying out at the FBI. Off the roof of the combat. And then the screen just goes, the end. She says, fiend. And they're like, yeah, we base this on Tibbs' book, but we're not completely sure about the ending. There was no T-Rex. None of that, uh, none of that happened. Oh, my goodness. So and, then, is, and then the power was cut. And then the power was cut. So just a couple other... Or one other comment. Yeah, and I've got I've got a big spoiler alert too. All right, we from can a, from go a conspiracy theory site that I read this week. Or just around the horn here to kind of close things off. Um, the one thing I noted: the FBI would have never done this in a million years. I'm not suggesting that following the normal process they would have done it, but I feel like everything they did—negotiation, manipulation, and force—wise just. The people in there just became closer and tighter as a unit and less likely they're coming out. I feel like the only way it could have worked at that point is they would have just gone like Costanza and gone opposite George and gone against all their instincts and actually sent in like the negotiator and somebody else without weapons yeah. inside and just sat down and talked with them. I don't think it would have gotten all of them out of there, but I think more people would have would have survived the ordeal. Now saying that they would have never done that, and they don't well, yeah, deserve any blame. Well, yeah, you're essentially sending them two hostages at that point. Yeah, and I don't think they would have taken them hostage, though. I don't think they would have either, but you could never do that. No, I agree. Tactically, you could never no, do I, that. No, I totally agree with that. Anything out of you, Dave? I mean, Actually, I kind of agree with Glenn. Like, instead of cutting the power, you just set up a few tables of Whataburger out there and be like, look, look what's outside, guys. Because the current plan is trying to make them all dizzy by flying that helicopter around day and night. Well, no, doesn't it look like next episode they set up like the big speakers to start blasting the obnoxious noise and lights to keep them from sleeping? Yeah, hopefully they'll detail that in the upcoming episode. I bet whatever they're playing, you have that CD somewhere. No, I think they played a little bit. No, I don't think they played that surprisingly, that type of stuff. I think they played a song that I'm sure they'll... They'll go over that. They played it over and over, and then some other. They played some more other like torturous type sounds just around the clock. Clock. Be careful with every one of those consonants. The other thing they could have done: Whataburger, and then maybe just bought out everybody pulling shifts at the landing strip, and just because <laughs> only one person's taking on the burden, just had that temptation out there, just twenty four seven. Yeah, and arm them because that will solve everything. <laughs> Okay, you had a conspiracy thing? So, and, and I don't want to ruin this because if you guys don't know this, because I don't know if the show is going here, but did you know what a, a strongly rumored um, way, way that Koresh actually meets his end? Do you know what this is? Um, no, I have no idea. So it was, again, conspiracy site, and I'm interested to see if they pull this in the show. It was strongly rumored that he was um, murdered at the last minute by a someone else within the compound that had become increasingly convinced that he wasn't going to lead them out to safety. And that person Steve. was Steve. Really? Yes. But what do they base this on? No, their uh, proximity of where the bodies were found and some okay. other things, but that it's strongly suspected that Steve ends up killing Koresh at the very last minute. So I'm... I'm so is this... Very interested to see, because I think the... Mainstream narrative was that Koresh took his own life, well, or went he down was, with the ship. Yeah, um, I think if you, of course, think this is Wikipedia. I think his cause of death was a single gunshot wound, but I believe it was a gunshot to the front. You don't sh if you shoot yourself in the head. I don't think you shoot yourself in the, in the last, front of the head. The do last you? words he heard were Steve saying "Merry Christmas." <laughs> you go, you I go still smell that finger. <laughs> Yeah, okay. suicide's under the chin. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so that's interesting because I think that's under the premise of maybe this thing is on fire, people are panicking, and Koresh is doing everything he can to keep people from getting out, and then Steve says, we got to get out of here, and you're done, but it was just too late. Yep. 
So speaking of, uh, and this is not to be a joke, I'm just throwing this out here, because these two things tie into each other, as I found. So I went to a, uh, trying to read more books these days. So I was at 50 Shades Freed? I was at a bookstore about a week or so ago. Wow. A bookstore you can buy books maybe for half half the price. <laughs> There's no way such a place exists. And I was actually looking for a book related to to Waco. Not Tibbs's book. I was looking for something that wasn't Chip and Jojo? No. Um something that's more of a someone's looked at the entire investigation, both sides, talked to survivors, the feds, looked at all so the basically whatever. this show. Similar, just in written form. I didn't want to transcribe our own show. <laughs> I couldn't find it. I couldn't find one there at the location that I went to. But as I'm looking through like the contemporary history section, I do find a book with a one-word title that catches my attention. That book is entitled Columbine. Ooh. And I am about one-third of the way, the way through this book. It's got at least one Waco tie-in, if not two. One that I can think of. There might be a couple. And we may also have to have some Columbine talk at some point because... Hey, I'm I'm all for conspiracy cover-up talk. Well, there might get into some of that. Um, Some of the misreporting of the media, which related to the Waco incident, too, as to what went on, who the aggressor was... Uh, you know, the FBI relaying things that aren't exactly true as to why they won't come out or they, they, I think the lead FBI guy at the press conference said they, they're holding the FBI hostage for milk as opposed to it being like a goodwill thing to build trust. It was, yeah, they're refusing to come out until we bring them milk and they're so dumb. They're not even milk for the babies. It's just, (laughs) it's milk for the people that be okay without it. It's milk for Koresh. Yeah. So, might have a few uh, Columbine notes as I get as I get through here. Good, Lord knows we need topics. Man, I'm on. I need to turn to other topics because we've been watching this show and talking about this. I'm about sixty percent of the way through like a five part podcast series on the Jim Jones, the Guyana tragedy, and I'm reading a book about Columbine. So I'm probably on like a list somewhere right now. <laughs> Like there's an FBI guy repeatedly circling at Glenn three underscore eleven right now with a pencil and gently laying it down. I got guns in my head and they won't go. Spirits in my head and they won't 